It is a special week on a gentleman's chat this week as the show turns 21. To celebrate its coming of age, we thought we'd bust open a brand new bottle, pour a few ice-cold beverages, and have another episode of A Gentleman's Chat with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Ian, we're, we're 21 now. 21 episodes in. Yeah. In like six months or so? When did we start this escapade? August? Exactly. Wow. Man, a lot's happened to us since then. Things That's really... true. Could you picture someone has spent... I, I There has to be somebody out there that has wasted hours of their life on our podcast. I mean, like, at least two. Well, yeah, you and I, right? <laughs> That's, nice... <laughs> That's true. But really, we were doing this long before we ever had microphones in that front of true. us. That is true. We just never recorded it. Yeah, and the conversations usually are longer than an hour. That is true it's very as well. Rare that we I always cut yeah, it out. Yeah, we never... Normally, I don't have a timer sitting next to me when we're at dinner ranting and raving about random things maybe we should start just start cut it into little segments yeah maybe dinner won't be nine hours long then <laughs> you know because hey. when they bring you the bill like stay as long as you'd like we make them regret that statement that is true we have gotten some we, a lot of looks in our day yeah yes because <laughs> they just start they just keep the drinks coming forever and ever and ever yep i get parched all this talking you know <laughs> Ranting and raving about all sorts of topics that we do. And I've got an opening topic this week, and it is your re-entry into the world of fitness. Oh. Talk to me. How is this going? Talk to me about this. Uh, it depends. Results-wise, absolutely amazing. Right. Side effects, incredibly sore, and my range of motion is about that of a 92-year-old gentleman <laughs> with osteoporosis. Oh, wow. Okay. Which was completely my fault, truth be told. Um, I started back up Saturday, going to like the actual gym. I did light stuff at home, but not yeah actual workout. So I go there, and and my brilliant wonder, almost not even thinking it. I was almost like in the mindset like I've been doing this for years. I'll just continue where I left off. And my continue where I left off, it was an aggressive upper body workout that day for two and a half hours with a half hour run. Mm. Now that was, it would have been great and wonderful and easy going. If it was like eight months ago when I was consistently working out every day. Yes. Yep. Today or Saturday as it were was not the case. <laughs> Believe it or not, if you stop working out for about eight months and then you go back into it as if you continued for eight yes. months, yes. I pretty much couldn't even lay down in my bed without <laughs> it. I kid oh, you not. No. I gave up halfway, just like halfway through the night of sleeping because I always sleep on my back. I used to sleep on my stomach, but that's not very healthy for you. So I really? trained myself to sleep on my back. Yes, you okay. really shouldn't. Let's bring this back up in a minute. Okay. okay. Continue your story first. But so I always sleep on my back and I couldn't do that because when you're laying on back, most of your muscles are at least partially extended and slowly stretching. But with my lack of range of motion for a three-hour heavy workout that I was not prepared for, but put myself through anyhow, I could not rest my arms at my side, and then like when I'm laying back, have my shoulder blades back on the Ooh. bed. Ooh. So instead, I 
very painfully got up, and I think I sat and listened to... I don't even know what I listened to, but I just listened to stuff for like eight hours in the time I would be asleep. And then it just didn't get better. No. It's finally getting better Why now. Why are you not, like, pounding protein shakes? Well, I've done, I think, three. Like, one a day since Saturday. The problem is the only protein powder I have right now, the whey powder I have, is some all-organic something or another that's derived from leaves. It tastes just as bad as that sounds. It tastes like grass. Man. Oh, no. Yeah, and... I don't particularly like eating, like, grass with a little bit of hay mixed in. Yeah, we could fix that. We, so. need, to, we, need, to get, we need to get, like, some double chocolate whey in here or something yeah, like so that. Yeah, that's, so that's that's the main reason I've been shying away from protein shakes because I only have disgusting <laughs> Well, but that is a bummer. Be, being as I were, if I still have some left, I can't justify to myself going and buying more. Yes, yes. Because so I do still have... Thing half have been left i'm yep. like well i gotta yep. finish it out before i get in there. of course that's how it works man <laughs> so everybody it's like suffering through it it's like one scoop two scoops sc- like swirl it around it looks like you have a little bit of pot flakes in there it turns <laughs> green then it has like the consistency of mud it's just oh <laughs> oh man i used to make that mistake too with protein powder because i would mix it in with just a glass of milk Yep. But there would be too much powder to milk ratio. <laughs> yep. So I'd get like this. Every once in a while, you'd get a clump of it that hadn't like they hadn't mixed up yep. well enough. And it just disintegrate in your mouth. And now you're just straight. Yeah, that's bad. Have you ever read like the labels of how they recommend it? It's like an eight ounce glass of milk. And they're like four scoops of protein. Powder. Yeah, yes. I'm sitting there like, how does that measure out? Four yeah. scoops is the entire cup. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's There's ridiculous. no milk you can put in there. It's ridiculous. It's almost like cereal, but like powdered for. Yeah. See, the thing is, though, after a while, you learn to like it. Like, my dad started putting it in his coffee in the morning. Okay. Like, he would wake up before... But is this, w- like, normal way? Yeah. Because that's it's, that's it's, way better. It's vanilla I'll, flavor. I'll give you some... <laughs> no, no, I'm good, thanks. I don't want little pot flakes <laughs> in it to, turn, to turn green on me, okay? I would much <sighs> prefer a regular, like, vanilla or banana or, like, a regular flavor. That's I, true. Dude, I have had a similar experience to you where, you know, you're in, you're in the gym heavy for years on end... <laughs> You take like eight months off. You roll into the gym. <laughs> Dude, I did that one time. I was curling like 80 pounds at a time when I left. So I walked up because I got big old mirror and they got yeah. the freaking things there. And all these guys are, you know, everyone's working out. And I was looking at, you know, I did a quick warm up, some stretches, got myself ready. I was like, let's just grab these 80s and just start racking them up <laughs> like I never left. Dude, oh, I knew immediately that I made a mistake. Immediately upon grabbing it, I was like, ooh, ooh, these have gotten heavier since I last remembered. But I was so committed to it because to get the 80s, you need to reach down. Like, they're at the bottom of the rack because yep. people just don't do that. So I'm pulling this thing up, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> I'm not so certain we can rack this anymore. And uh, uh, But, of course, I was too committed because now everybody yep. had seen me grab the 80s. And, I am I mean, I'm a small guy. F- physically in stature, I'm only like five foot six. So the, everyone was like... There's no way this guy does this. So now I'm like, well. So then you're forced to so sit I, there. So and I had to do it, and out, that is yep. how I started the workout, and it was a downhill yeah, slide rough. from there. Yes, I, dude, I canceled my gym membership quite a few months ago now because they renovated the one that I went to. Like they moved oh, into a bigger yeah. building, and they renovated it, and it's supposed to be like this cool new thing. I walked in there day one. I hated the place. I hated it. It was laid out so poorly, like. The bench racks, for some reason, were just set in the middle. 
Like of the entire just yeah, just in the middle. Oh, I hate that. There's no reason. Then you have people because if you have people working on the bench, they have dumbbells all around them, and they have uh, different mats and whatnot. So you just can't get it. But it wasn't like the standard racks where it was just two sided. Like you just put the bar on, Mm -hmm. and you could just you free on either side. I guess in in an effort to be safety conscious, there's like a uh, a steel half ring that blocks off one side. So, like, for example, if I were to go do, like, shoulder presses on a, on a regular bench rack, I couldn't do that anymore because I'd have to, like, jump over this bar to get on the other side uh. of the rack. And I was like, this is stupid. This is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> and they put those dumb safety clamp things on. So, like, if you accidentally drop it, oh, it yeah, it'll yeah, stop yeah. itself. That's so dumb. Dude, if I drop 250 pounds or whatever I'm at at that moment... That does not matter. The dumb little cable thing that's following me. It's not going to stop anything. It's not. It's going to clatter to the ground just the same. Yeah. Yes. So that's why I stopped going to the gym. I'm glad you started going. Maybe it'll... See, I always feel better when working out. And I found in life that if I can consistently go, I feel much, much better. I'm healthier. I'm just overall happier. Mentally, it's a huge benefit. Very much so. Oh my gosh, yes. But I think the two biggest reasons... um, I stopped going. One was financially. Gyms tend to be really expensive nowadays. Yeah, for, even if you go every day. They yeah. can st- I mean, depending on where you go, it can be quite yeah, pricey. It, it's still a lot. And then the second one was I was really busy. So I'm like, I'm not going to be really using this gym membership. I can get there maybe once a week if I crunch. So That's my problem. I stopped. Because yeah. I, was, I was thinking about the same thing, especially when I canceled mine. It's like Monday, maybe... Tuesday, Wednesday, not a chance. Thursday, not right now. That ain't going to fly. Friday, maybe. Saturday and Sunday is a wash. See, most gyms, the gym I was going to, and a lot of gyms I know, for whatever reason, they're either not open Sundays or they close really early Sundays. Oh, that's And that's usually the only day I tend to be available. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not working out. Yeah, I also hate going there like prime time. If you go to a gym at 3 o'clock any day of the week, it sucks. I hate Too many that. people. I used to work out at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Like, I'd get done with everything. I'd go to the gym, get a quick hour in, go home and go to bed. Yeah. It was great. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so, I've been demoted to doing stuff at home. Which, thankfully, I've got lots of free weights at home and stuff. So I yeah, can, that works. I don't look as good as I want to, but I'm not... I feel like everyone can say that. Unless you're like Chris Hemsworth. You well, can always look better. Yeah, but I don't. I never wanted to be that big though, because that's gotcha. a lot of maintaining. That is mo- true. Most of that is not only exercise, but also diet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, but in the education world, there's not a whole lot of room for a great diet. <laughs> you know, it's uh, just not. A, well, I'm not gonna pre-prep meals at home and bring them to class, like or bring them to school with me. That is so. true. Yeah, it's kind of. Or you'll look like a jerk doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Brandt is going to pull out it. He's got, like, my own fridge in my office. Yep. I'm going to pull out my cold meals and put them in the microwave with my Caesar <laughs> salad. And, yeah, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, that it was a rough experience. I'm going back tomorrow, actually, to have leg day because upper body, we're, st- we're still recovering on that. But There's nothing I legs. hate more than leg day. No. I hate like oh. that. Dude, I I love 
I don't know what it is. I really, I just think it's a mental thing. Like I love working out legs. Yeah. But I hate leg day. Okay. I don't. I don't know where the mental disconnect gotcha. is, but I just can't stand it. I think I'm the exact opposite. I have always loved leg day, because growing up for many years, I was a highly competitive soccer player. Oh, yep. So legs were pretty much all you cared about. Yep. So for years upon years, I was very heavily focused on legs. So I guess that just stuck with me. Like, well, now it's way easier because my legs are disproportionately strong over my be. upper body. So. That could be. We're sitting there. I can like quadruple my squat compared to like bench. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes you feel good. I was the other way. My squat was never fantastic. <laughs> my bench always was. Gotcha. And that's, and I think some people do that because they want to have like some beach bod where they, they're like, because oh, obviously yeah. men are usually shirtless. Like that's the important part. It's like, actually, dude, if you keep your legs in good shape and especially like, healthy and mobile like with stretching mm-hmm. and stuff like that oh you're gonna go so much further in life oh yeah you're gonna go so much further so but, that's that's my gym story we'll yeah. keep you guys in keep you guys informed if i yeah. tear too many more leg muscles then i won't be able to walk or move my arms and call for help that's also a fear of mine i've definitely pulled and injured some muscles oh yeah in life and that's dude sometimes especially when you get to like weights that are double your own physical weight mm-hmm. it gets kind of scary yeah because it's one of those things like if you slip a little bit you can definitely hurt things yourself can very go easily. horribly awry yeah like the story with curling 80 pounds of pee i mean that's i weigh a lot more than that but for just arm tension, one arm yeah I mean, that's that's a that's a lot of pressure that you're putting on more places than and just if you accidentally arm. twist it or lose balance or whatnot yeah it's I mean, you blow an you blow an exhale, yep. and you're, I mean, I, you're gonna blow some stuff pretty badly. Yeah, I did the same thing with uh, like shoulder presses. Like when you're shoulder pressing over 200 pounds. Yeah. At some point, it's like you know, if I slip, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a half hurt. an inch. Yep. I'm gonna tear some stuff like you wouldn't believe. But uh, so you sleep on your back. Yeah. I just don't see how that's healthier. Than sleeping on your stomach? Yeah. Like, explain Um, that to me. The spine alignment is the biggest thing. When you sleep on your stomach, unless, for whatever reason, you're sleeping on a chiropractor bench where you can have the actual hole to breathe out of face down, you have to sleep with your neck turned. And the problem is if your neck's turned for an eight-hour period resting, your spine is going to torque about right at the top on your, um, like, T1, T2 area. It's going to keep that ever so slightly torqued. And over time, that's going to not cause scoliosis, but it's going to put too much pressure on that and it's going to hurt the rest of your body, which is why you really don't want to be having to turn your head and sleeping for eight hours, especially because it's dead weight. It's not like your muscles are yeah. they're supporting it. It's yeah. So that's why I would not recommend sleeping on your I stomach. I sleep on my stomach. Oh, for you one, too? Oh, yes. Every night. For one specific reason, because when I sleep on my back, my I wake up in just excruciating pain. It, so I, I have heard that before. Yeah, yeah, it, like, it's like want to cry pain. It's it's preference. I think technically the best way you can sleep is on your left side, because if you're laying down laterally on your left 
side on a bed or anything. So like my really. left cheek is on the bed. Like left like yes. like left eye to the bed. Yep. Yeah. Uh and if you lay on your left side, that actually most aligns every part of your body. So it keeps it the absolute straightest and most aligned way. So the right side's a no go. The right side, there's a couple parts of the body where it'll create basically waves because it's just ever so slightly yeah. elevated based on the pressure you're putting. But it's still not nearly as bad as just sleeping on your stomach with your head turned all huh. the way. Well, for most people, it doesn't. It probably will never come of anything. But if you're ever noticing you're waking up with either headaches or maybe a sore neck or even just fatigue that might be because well, you're you know i've too always much pressure got a sore on. neck i've just got a bad neck though so that's well i mean sleeping your stomach's probably not gonna help <laughs> no but sleeping on my back means i don't sleep but sleep on your Dude, side i slept on my back sleep on your the side. other night i woke up every hour of the night literally every hour of the night i was awake okay <laughs> until like three o'clock in the morning when i finally was able to to get three whole hours of sleep before my alarm went off. Have you tried the side? Yes. Because that's where I initially came to. I went from stomach, which is the most com- or like my most comfortable but bad for me, to side. And then over time, I, I don't know particularly why I didn't like the side. I just... Personally, I didn't know what to do with my arm. That's yes, on the up. I don't. I don't know what to do. So with then it. I rolled over on my back, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, well, there, that works." Yeah, I have no idea what to do with my arm. Yeah, and I also particularly like sleeping on the right side of, like, if I'm sleeping on my side. Yeah, that's still much better than. And I, I think that's because if I sleep on my left side, for some reason, like things just don't feel right. Like okay. it just doesn't. It's one of those weird things, I guess. Everybody's got their own thing. Yeah, then, and that's mine. So apparently, I suck at sleeping. Nah, you're just different. Apparently sleeping is not a strong hey, suit of mine. Well, side sleeping probably will become a bit easier if you ever get married. With a wife at the side, if you're on your side, then you have somewhere to put your arm. You can rest it on them. That's true. I'm like a hug, yep. Yes. It'll help you out there. Yeah, but wouldn't it be easier to sleep on my back? Then she could just rest her head like on my chest Very area, much so, but we've already be, been over. You don't like sleeping on your sleep. back. I know, but I feel like I can take one for the team, right? Like... Yeah, that, it'll be good condition. Yeah, I'll just wake up every hour for the for the, for the first like week or two, and the, then you'll be golden for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I will wake up every hour of a freaking night. That's love until about three a.m. when I finally go to bed until six. I mean, just get kids, then you'll be have to wake up every hour on the hour anyhow, yeah. and you have a nice little timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sucked, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, it's bad. That's why you wanted to bring that up. You're like, wait a minute. What's well, wrong? Like, with yeah, clearly this? I'm doing something wrong. Because, I don't know. Apparently I suck at sleeping. I just... I don't suck at sleeping. You're putting pressure on your yeah. spine and head. Yeah, that's no big deal. That's... Exactly. You don't need that. No. Just like a chicken. You chop that thing off. It's... You still run around for yeah. a couple seconds at least. Yeah, spin a 360. <laughs> just see what happens. Yeah, it's like that guy that got his arm bitten off by an alligator. Because when alligators bite you, they do like a death roll. Yep. And so, you know, the guy was feeding the alligator, and the alligator took his whole arm and started spinning. His arm moved. He didn't. <laughs> okay? Like, his arm... Excuse me. His arm was doing the circles. He was not. <laughs> it's kind of like that, except not quite. Not, not that bad. Yeah, it's not quite that bad. Yeah. I would hope it's not quite that bad. 
That's a so rough you know, scene. So you know you're going to wake up one day and you're not going to have a body. Yeah. I'll likely also meet Jesus at that moment <laughs> in time. Like, I feel like... I that feel is like an astute possibility. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to wake up and think, mm, this ain't it, and then leave. <laughs> like, I feel like... I feel like the hard work will have been done for me. That is true. Something I've been thinking about, because okay. I have no idea why. All the colleges in our area, and we live in the Midwest. We Just do. so you guys know, the Midwest has nothing going on right now. You'll understand no, why I preface this in the, in the next thing. Every college I know of so far <laughs> has recently issued... Basically, an all-out warning or like a uh, plan of action in case some terrible thing happens, and that terrible thing is called the coronavirus. Yeah, dude, I got four of them today. I think the college emailed me is like, "This is like our this is our game plan. If we cancel classes, you're gonna have to do everything online. This is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna have to adent, you know, syllabuses will be updated. <laughs> you're still gonna find a way to get credit for the course." Like, they're full-blown. Like, they've got, like, a nine-step program of what's going to happen. And then I had specific teachers emailing me. Like, so, if we get shut down because of coronavirus, this is what it's going to look like. This is what the class will look like. Here's, like, an updated syllabus if we need to put that into place. And I was like, dude, I'm not all that concerned. I walked into to a classroom today and Cloroxed from head to toe. <laughs> but, I mean, just – you because you could still smell it. You're wiping down every surface that was available. It was like wet. the surfaces were wet. They were using so much of this bleach product to try and clean the place. It was, it was ridiculous. We're in the middle of Wisconsin, folks. Yeah. Ain't no coronavirus going to make it this far. That is true. Right now, we have no outbreak of anything. No. At all. <laughs> no. And I highly doubt that someone diagnosed with coronavirus is like, you know... I'm traveling to Wisconsin. I just don't that think that's going to happen. They're just going to stay in Florida. Not not to mention, because we have such... We're not in a big city where it's either having to be overly sanitized because there's so many people there, or it's overly messy. We're in a healthy balance where there's a decent amount of people, but not too many. And almost all of Wisconsin is still come like forested and still yeah. wild and whatnot. So coronavirus gets up here it's not going to spread anywhere because there, there's not really a good way route of it for to travel without being immediately treated or getting lost in the woods yeah it's true but everybody is making some huge deal out of it that is very it's, true i don't know why it's like some the next pandemic we've got a handful of cases in the United States at whole. Yeah. And I'm not sure anybody's died in the United States from it. I think to date, if you're counting everyone that has died with either presumptive coronavirus or any ailments as well as coronavirus is 22 in the 312 more, million people we have. More people died in Chicago last night. Yeah. Than have from died falling coconuts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that have died in total from this virus. Yeah, um, good news on that. I've looked into it a little bit because I was wondering, why is it being so blown up? And the three heaviest regions hit, um, Japan, or not Japan, China, uh, Italy, and South Korea. Those three, they had some quarantine zone, they shut down a lot of things. 
they're actually on the upswing. It's the coronavirus is no longer spreading any mm. faster. It's at a plateau. Yep. And as most viruses and whatnot work, once you hit a plateau, that usually means they've met the threshold of cells they can basically infect while still being alive. So there's just as many dying out as there are respawning. So it yep. hit that threshold already, and it's not that bad. And if it's already hit the threshold, it means it's not going up, it's not going anywhere, and we're going to get over it much quicker. Because all you have to do now is kill the virus. You don't have to stop it from continuing to... Yeah, you're a medical professional. Worse. I mean, yeah. I feel like the outrage that people are putting on this is is shockingly more than it needs to be. There, There's three reasons that I... I personally feel that it's just been an outrage. One is that it's a new virus that we didn't really know anything about. And when you don't know anything about it, it's fear of the unknown. It's a yep. very natural thing to do. Um, two, uh, this is going to sound really harsh. The past couple of weeks has been very slow news week. Not a lot has actually happened. And usually when not a lot happens, media has to talk about something so if they have this big outbreak of a new disease, they can talk about that for two weeks straight and get a whole bunch of views, which is kind of how they stay in business. So that's fair. That makes sense. And lastly, the because of the notion that coronavirus was getting bad because like the rumor spread and whatnot, it kind of planted a seed that that's the actual case. And once you start people along the basically any sort of thought line or thought process that something is bad, everybody else is genuinely going to start to pick up on and agree with yeah. it being bad. Like mass hysteria almost, but not as bad. Isn't there a cruise ship of people that are infected with this disease? There is a cruise ship, which I don't know how many, uh, out California coast, go figure, where they quarantined off the ship and they're trying to get people back as quickly as possible they're sending out like different helicopters and whatnot and going a couple people at a time testing them if they're fine then bringing them off and back in i think the main reason they're doing this is just for safety by that's fair uh the way i see it the government like being overly safe like that and not letting the cruise ship back on quarantining it off that's probably a good move i would rather have the government be overly cautious over a new virus and do the best they can to absolutely make sure nothing happens than a government to just blow it off. Yeah. Because that's kind of how it spread in the first place. If China didn't blow off the initial outbreak, they probably could have contained it and yeah. wouldn't yeah. have anything with it. So I'm okay with the government's overreacting because their entire job is to keep people safe. I think it's naive and a little bit far-fetched for everybody else to be overreacting over it especially if i mean if you live in the um consumer district of china or if you live in italy or if you live in south korea for all you listeners a little bit different story because you do have a lot of cases so yeah just yep. like any virus it's going through you have a much higher likelihood but if you live in like the united states or basically anywhere in the western world like most of europe I would say America, Canada, Mexico, South America, yeah. all of those. Yeah. 
you have basically no risk of getting it. And even if you do, especially here in America where everybody is freaking out about it, it is not any more lethal than the normal flu. And we can take care of the normal flu. We can take care of the coronavirus. It's not... Yeah, it's nothing not like, to blow it's up. It's not like about. this ship got infected and they're going to pull that thing where it turns into a ghost ship and they just forget everybody and kill them all off. Yeah, no, no, no. The ship's going to be coming back. Everybody else on the ship is going to be coming back. Yeah. They just want to make sure because a cruise ship has a lot of people on it, they want to make sure that it's not going to spike a large surge of the coronavirus that's going to spread around. It's true. It's true because there's a more than 300 passengers on there. But if that just oh, walked yeah. into California, that wouldn't be very good. Um, If it's a normal cruise ship, uh, they, they make them very largely. The Titanic held, uh, I want to say, like 4,400 people. It's a lot of people. In Quite ship. a bit. That is absolutely nothing for modern cruise ships. I'm sure. Modern cruise ships, like, you can get 10,000 people on that ship. Yeah. So, it makes a little bit of sense just to make sure 10,000 10, people make sure that's not, like, that. You, you know what's <laughs> strange? You know that... Cruise ships have to deal with people dying all the time on cruise oh, yeah. ships. I never knew that. I, I had a family member, my mother, in fact, went on a cruise. And when she got back, she's like, yeah, like five people died in yep. the week-long cruise. Like one guy died of a heart attack. One guy jumped off like the back of the ship into the motor so he would die. So there was like a double homicide on the ship. And I was like, what is happening on this carnival cruise or whoever, you know. Your mileage may vary on whoever was actually hosting this cruise. But I was so staggered. I did not know that was like an actual thing. But no, they have uh, they have their own morgue on cruise ships. Yeah. Because they have to load up on dead people. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess makes sense if you have like 10,000 people yeah, and on, in a small space. The odds of somebody dying is quite high. Are pretty high, yeah. yeah. And at the same time, it's something, even if there was a very low chance, it's something you almost need because... If you're out on a cruise, say it's a week-long or a lot of times if it's a extended cruise, like a month-long cruise, you don't have anywhere to... T- oh, yeah. You're not just going to dump them over ex- the Exactly. Like, that's you, not how that works. You need somewhere to house Picture how bodies. sad those families are, though. Like, I mean, died of a heart attack on a cruise. No, okay. The worst one was the double homicide. That is true. Dude, guy buys a cruise for him and his girlfriend, kills the girlfriend in the room, and then shoots himself. Yeah, well... Do you know how much dedication you have to have <laughs> and how much internal... you got to be so messed up. Because you, you planned out this cruise. You took off work for it. You invited your girlfriend, who you probably were with for some time, because you're going on a cruise with her. You then packed a firearm. Yep. You walked on to said cruise, enjoyed four lovely days, and then decided, honey, it's time. You lit the candles... You threw on the Michael <laughs> Bolton music and you racked the slide on this nine hill <laughs> and you ended it all. What are you doing, you maniac? I, I I don't think it was premeditated. I am more along the lines of, especially in long trips, and it's a common notion, especially like road trips or vacations. Couples tend to have the most stress and tension on long trips like that. So, take a road trip, for example. Usually, everything can go be going perfectly. Everything's going well. You want to take a vacation, and you take a road trip with someone, and you're on the road for 12 hours, let's say, driving with someone. That's usually where 
you you'll know if you can either make it together or you can't <laughs> yes because there's so many things you learn and the cruise cruise is going to be the same way because you're on the same thing yes. there's nowhere to go you have to and because you're not like working you're on vacation you don't have any responsibilities so you're almost obligated to spend time together and whatnot yeah yep. so say you're in a cruise or on a road trip or whatnot you firstly have to basically talk the whole time unless you can break some of that with music or games on a yeah, cruise what, ship yeah, or whatever something. they're doing yeah but you're going to be doing a lot of talking the problem with doing a lot of talking especially with couples you're going to eventually find something you disagree with that's true and once you disagree with them normally in a relationship you can walk out the other room you can go somewhere you can't do that in a car or in a cruise ship or whatnot. No, you can't. No. You have to sit there and you have to argue. <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably what's going to happen, yeah. Uh, so you either sit there and argue or someone caves or you both cave and you sit in that awkward silence for a couple hours while on a road trip. That hurts. Another thing that arises when you're basically on vacation together and whatnot is how people think, feel, and act when responsibility and or life's prior commitments aren't holding them down. You basically see who they choose to be, not who they're obligated to be by any sort of appointment or kids or um, work or anything. So when you have that, they're probably going to be a bit different than they normally are, firstly, but secondly, most of their attributes are going to be heightened and basically elevated. Yeah. So if they're an angry person, if they get on an angry tangent, they're going to be very angry. And you guys have to figure out some uh, way to work with it. That's or fair. Sad or that's, a, that's a fair argument. So you do that for a week on a cruise, they might have just broke like, oh, this isn't going to work when we get back. Might as well just end it happily. Yeah, but the guy packed a gun. Yeah. You know what, Ian? They can digest that idea over this ad read. Listen, I'm just saying, the guy packed the gun. There's there's it's not like he had a bad nightmare and woke up scared and accidentally shot her. Yeah. Like that didn't happen. He just flat out murdered this gal and then killed himself. Yeah, I I don't really understand the kill yourself part. I do understand bringing a gun. If I'm going on an extended cruise a week or longer, there's no sort of police. There's no sort of like actual security. I know. I know. There's nothing. You got to have something. I'm just saying. It's not like this guy had a nightmare and accidentally shot. Like, okay, I was sleeping the other night. I had a horror. You didn't shoot someone, did you? No, I didn't. Just asking. That's the point of my story. (laughs) I had a horrid nightmare, right? I had pictured that someone was breaking in into my room specifically and they were trying to kill me. I like, and they like grabbed my arm. So I woke up. I was like, my arm moved. I flipped out. I immediately reached for the person next to me to make sure that they were okay. I'd never once grabbed a gun. I never once reached for the gun that's just nearby and pulled it on someone. And that's why the murderer got away. And then turn around (laughs) and shoot myself. Like I just, I'm just saying, like, I don't, I just, there's a difference between, there's no way this guy didn't premeditate this. I listen, I do not care how <laughs> angry you are. You have to be a messed up individual to be like, you know what? The only way out of this is either killing her 
And that's just how we got there. I I understand being angry to the point, or I can fathom, I can put myself in most anybody's shoes. I can understand being so upset with someone that you would want them to just be gone completely. I don't, however, understand being so angry with someone that after you're done killing them, that you're not angry enough to feel the guilt and kill yourself. Like, if I'm that angry at someone that I'm willing to kill them, I'm not going to feel bad and kill myself after I do the job. Well, it just... I, dude, I don't know. I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna kill the wife, and I'm gonna go back out on the sunbathing deck, get some sun, and drink some more. Like, there's just no, I. No, I just don't. I don't get that. I don't get it. There's no way this guy was that. What was she doing on a cruise ship? Unless she is sleeping. Other with, people. Unless she <laughs> is sleeping with every other guy on the floor in succession, whilst he. No, 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 not in succession. At once. Uh, if, listen, if they're using the grand room for her promiscuous <laughs> activities, not even then. Dude, if I were in that guy's shoes and I walked in on this activity, my first thought isn't, she's got to go. There's nothing that would make you snap? Not that I could... Not I, There's like, nothing that would make me pull a firearm on somebody and use it. In, in blatant murder. Okay. Maybe, maybe not a firearm. I would definitely rough someone up, maybe to the point of death, if I don't personally have it. But even if it's, like, say a wife or someone, if they were to murder, especially in cold blood, like a child of yours, that might snap me to the point Listen, where if, they if, would just die. Well, here's the thing, though. If my wife had just killed my newborn child, I think there are bigger fish to fry. Why am I having a child with this psychopath? How did I get married to this psychopath? Why is this psychopath not in a psychopath place? Why are they in my house? Why are they sleeping in my bed? Why am I? There's a laundry list of things that have to get me to that point. But at the same point, in that moment, you're not going to be thinking that. In that moment, you're going to realize, like, hey, someone just killed my child. My first step isn't to kill them back, though. No, that's why I said I would never pull a firearm on them. But I would be furious to the point where... They would definitely be getting roughed up. And, and how do they kill my child? I feel like context matters. That's why I said in cold blood. Oh, okay. That's why I was trying okay, to give... you're right. I was trying to give an example to you of something that, like, wouldn't technically warrant because nothing really warrants murder, but as close to a warrant up for murder as possible. So, like, in cold blood, just because they... Maybe they just spited you and they wanted to see you pain. So you you had to watch them slit your child's throat. I mean, at that point... I, I might break at that point. Alright, I can see your argument here. That's a fairly disequilibrating idea. Having said that, because he did not come, enter the board the ship with any sort of kid, and no kid was mentioned in the story, There's, was he's a... probably just clinically ill. Mentally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, that appears <laughs> yeah. apparent. Thank you for that expert diagnosis. Well, I mean, it's kind of a late diagnosis. He's not, a, he's not mentally ill anymore. No, doesn't have mental illness. <laughs> His brains are in several Ugh. different places now. Yeah. Yeah. All over those brand new sheets. I, see, that's the worst part. Who is the guy that had to go fix that room up? Probably the normal serp maid serp. Well. Because you know they didn't leave that that way for a week. Like, you can't just leave two dead bodies in there. See, unless there was actual, like, law enforcement on the cruise, they might had to have... Because otherwise they can't move the evidence. They just seal that room shut. Yeah. But do not enter. Yeah. They might have just had to seal it. 
And then when they finally docks wherever it's going, they would have to have law enforcement peel that open. And then you have weak old guts they have to dig through, like decomposing everything. And not in a cold environment either. I mean, that's no, room temperature. Yeah. Those bodies are going to go bad fast. Ugh. But no, they had to have done something because what if it starts leaking through the floor? Well, they have some very angry honeymooners underneath. Dude. <laughs> it takes, it doesn't even take a drop of some dead guys from above me to get, no, not the thought of it alone. Dude, if I heard that the people above me had died in a horrible double homicide, I'm immediately moving rooms. Uh, immediately, I will sleep in a dinghy off the back of the ship. It, it depends what, what's going on or the context. No, it doesn't. If there's any, like, seepage of blood or remains falling from the ceiling, but I paid good money for this cruise, and I have, like, oh, I'm getting that money service back. here. If I have a brilliant steak, well, of course I get the money back after the fact. But if I'm sitting there eating a beautifully medium-rare done filet, if I have some high-quality expensive ass brandy next to me or some cognac like i'm taking that stuff somewhere else no i'd sit there and finish like some things in life are just worth you gotta take time to savor it yeah i can save it after the balcony where there's not dead guy remains after what i can't even i can't even do that my muscles are so sore this is as close to my mouth as i can get yikes (laughs) anyhow trying to motion toward his mouth and failing i I was gonna do like a, a napkin like oh if i turn my hand that way i can do it okay yeah, I have a, you blot your mouth very, very sophisticatedly because, like I said, cruises are not cheap. You set it down, then you walk out and you go get your money back, and then you go. There is no sir. There is nothing that is going on in my room that doesn't make me immediately leave. Honeymoon. I don't care. No, no, I could be desperately in the throes of passion. If some, if a double homicide happens above <laughs> me, I'm thinking, honey, we're going somewhere else. Okay. Like, that is not about to happen. I will phone up room service and be like, hey, politely find me a new room and then come get me when it's ready. Okay. Yeah. You know the only problem? Most cruise ships are sold out, so the only other room is the one that you just died in. No. I'm taking someone else's room. (laughs) Some some crew members sliding over. Like, you better believe. I'll pitch a tent in the grand room. I really will. Dude, get me get me to the, the the ship's theater. Put me backstage in a little like four person tent okay. with a laptop and some movies, and I'm good. Things are fine now. There is no chance, no chance. There, it could be seven thousand count silk sheets, and I'm just taking them with me. I'm taking them off the bed, and I'm bringing them to my tent because I'm not sleeping near Might that be a garbage. Beautiful room, though. I don't care. I've never actually it, been on a cruise. And the but, next yeah. time I'm on that cruise, it will be just as beautiful, except there won't be two dead people above me. Next time? How many cruises have you been on? Been on none cruises. Zero. Oh, okay, okay I was going like... to But I tell you what, if I'm getting my money back, you better believe I'm getting that same room next time. We should go on a cruise. No, we should not. You don't want to go on a cruise? Absolutely not. Why not? Do you get no, seasick? I get car sick. There's no way I don't get seasick. I, I guess fair enough. Like that, I don't. I feel like you can get seasick, but not car sick. But you can't get car sick and not get. There's a lot more motion on seasick, yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, unless you're in a coastal state, unless you've been in the ocean, that's not really something you would know. No, I mean regular boating is fine. That's one thing, though. Ocean is a lot different than regular boating. Oh yeah, and I'm not gonna spend a week out there. It ain't gonna happen. 
I can do but every they have shuffleboard. I can, yeah, I can do everything you can do on a cruise from the comfort of dry land. Swim in the ocean? I'm not swimming in the ocean. You can't do that from dry land, though. But I ain't doing it on a cruise ship. I'm on a cruise ship. <laughs> uh, a lot of cruise ships have like little breaks where they stop, and you could go swim in the ocean or I coral still, reefs I, and whatnot. I still can do that, dude. I get I get flight sick too from flying. Like, there's no way I don't get seasick. It's just it just isn't the thing. Okay. Well, so, I guess I'll have to take some more. So, so if we're going on a cruise, we we should make it not a month long cruise. Let's pick like four days. Can't afford a month long cruise. Well, not with that attitude. A week long cruise is like eight grand. Is it really? Oh yeah. No, cruises are, it's not cruises that are expensive. expensive. You know what? Expensive. You look it up. Yeah, you look. Yeah, you, you look t- it up because I got another thing I want to talk okay, about. Okay, you were talking about the coronavirus ship. Yep. It reminded me of. Uh, it's called the ghost ship now, but basically what happened is there was this this. Uh, I don't think it used to be a cruise ship, but like a passenger vessel of some kind, this big, huge ocean liner that was carrying stuff that got infected by a bunch of rats. So, and they couldn't bring the ship in. I don't know if like the captain died or what the hell happened or the crew died or they just left the ship because it was in such disrepair. Like it broke down and they just left it. But basically what happened is that these rats mutated because of like the materials they had on the ship and they started eating each other. So now they've got these super deadly mutant rats floating around. But the ship, they tried to they tried to tow the ship because it was it had broken down. That's what it was. It had broken down. They took all the crew off. They were towing it with another ship. The line snapped, and they couldn't get another one on it. So they just let this ship float. There were, dude, for decades, there was just a gigantic ocean liner floating around with deadly mutant rats eating each other. That's good. Do you know how wild that is? I think they said that nobody's seen it for a couple of years, but recently I think they they're like the transponder had stopped responding because I guess the batteries had run out. So they're assuming that it's likely crashed and sunk. But could you picture how wild that is? Just a ghost ship of just deadly mutant rats sinking, and that, that's to me that's just wild. Pretty great. And I was thinking about that with the coronavirus ship. What do you got for cruises? Well, cruises, the first one that popped up um, is Royal Caribbean Interna- International. Okay. Which is a huge discount. It's usually uh, $2,296 um, per cabin per night. Remember, this is how cruises work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's only $688 per night for right. a seven-day cruise, which is... That's basically $4,676. Yes. Yes. So I was a bit bloated, but if you're getting like first class, that's just normal. So yeah, yeah. cruises can be very Well, expensive. you also have to, there's other things that you have to purchase as well. I think that one might've been mostly inclusive, but oh, yes, yeah. there is. Okay. Uh, actually that, it started out with the cheapest. There's, they just get more and more expensive. $4,600 for seven days. You could tour the entire United States for that. Like hop in your car Stay at $100 night hotels. You could yep. literally spend like probably 40 days on the road. Yeah. You could spend a month and a half. Well, a lot of times I think that's that's a big honeymoon thing, definitely. And how much would you pay? How much would you spend on a honeymoon, Billy? You know, this is a, I don't know. I was going to ask you because you're further along, but I forgot you don't want to get married. <sighs> so you're never going to have a honeymoon. 
You should I, get married just for the honeymoon. I always pretend I don't. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I still don't actually want to, but I always pretend like it's never going to happen. Eventually, my significant other is going to get pissed off enough where I'm just going to be forced to Yeah, you're going to put your suit on and I'm going to end up being your witness at some courthouse. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, done. Fine, I yes. guess I'll yes. do that. And uh, she wants to, and I love the place too, go honeymoon in Japan. Because beautiful scenery if you go off like the coast, the uh, Japanese islands. Our Man, the, I see I have that problem where, again, I don't travel well. And I know I don't travel well. That is so. Like for me to yeah. hop a flight to Japan for seven days on a honeymoon, I mean I'm gonna spend at least five of those days fairly sick. Okay. So that. So a lot of a lot of the expense that would go into that would be the actual trip to Japan. Yes, of course. Um, once in Japan, I don't think it would be that bad. So. I don't know. I'll throw out plane tickets are going to be probably $700 for round trip. So oh, all that of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure all of that. So probably two grand in total. Three grand, maybe. Somewhere around there. Well, it depends on what you well, do maybe. there. I mean, let's, that let's is just, true let's as just well. think. When you and I went to Italy, that was $3,500 for eight days. Yes. But there were a lot of things included. I mean, we lots of... Uh, that was Dinners because it was a group trip. A lot of times with group trips, because they have to uh, inflate the price as a whole to include everyone getting yeah. everything. Yep. If you're going alone, it's cheaper. It's it's much cheaper. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I'd say five hundred dollars like, off. We could take that. And I feel like you probably need twenty five hundred dollars a person or three thousand dollars a person. Mm. But then again, maybe not because you're not staying in different hotel rooms. I mean, you only need to get one place to stay. Th- that is That's, true. You know, you're right. You're right. Um, we did talk about maybe going different hotel rooms, but if we were going to do that, if we were going to do different parts, uh, see what Tokyo, like city life, because they have a lot of weird stuff yeah. they do over in yep. Tokyo with a whole bunch of cool districts and whatnot we can go visit. Then we would probably just stay in a normal hotel, which... Yeah is not going to be anywhere near the price of a resort hotel. And then probably go off to, like I said, the out islands, which is going to be a more expensive experience in hotel to spend the rest of the yeah. time. I, I might consider ponying up, like you said, 250 or 2,500 a person, five grand. I feel like that's your honeymoon. I feel like that's acceptable. That is acceptable. I'm usually relating that to how much a wedding costs. Oh yeah. I don't understand spending so much on a wedding and not for a honeymoon. I mean, the honeymoon's going to be much more enjoyable and more of an experience between you and your spouse. Yes. That's going to be, let's be real. No matter what your honeymoon is for the most part, it's going to be the ceremony and then just a reception with, let's be real, some people that you know-ish family and some yeah. people you don't even like. Yeah. And that's going to set you back thousands of dollars. It's true. Whereas a honeymoon, it's just you two and you get to do whatever you want without it, having to pay for everyone. You know, I would argue, though, there's something to be said for not having a honeymoon. Because now your first nine days as a as a married couple are you being catered to 
yeah. in a different part of the world. I feel like the best way to start this marriage just to see how well it's going to go is just to sleep in the same bed at night and see what changes. Right? Like, I, I don't think it matters. I still love the person whether I'm in Japan or not. I don't... Now, let me, on, let, let, me, let me correct myself before I get myself in trouble here. I preface all of that by saying I do want to go on a cool honeymoon. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do definitely want to go to a different country somewhere else. Probably not Japan, but somewhere other than the country we live in. And I understand that I'll probably be horribly ill for a few days, <laughs> but it will totally be worth it in the end. Yeah. So that's, that's um, that. Going back to what you said, I would never, especially right after a wedding, I don't understand the people that go from wedding to honeymoon. Yeah, the people you need a transitioning. Yeah, the people that board the plane yes, that night. I, like, that's a horrible idea. That's that's more like a cinema movie ideal. Um, I would not do that. You have the wedding, you get that out of the way, then you settle, and then you go on a honeymoon, like yep. a month or so after. I would say. Yeah. That way, you're actually situated and whatnot. I heard a. I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine the other day, and we were talking about relationships and stuff like that, and she was mentioning the stat of people that move in together drastically increases the divorce rate. Like, like before in, marriage? Like before marriage. Yes. Drastically increases the divorce rate or like the odds that your marriage will end in divorce. Yep. Is that, you've heard a similar stat to that? Because I have never, yeah. I haven't heard of this idea. Um, I mean, conceptually I understand it, but I have never heard this stat before. Yeah, that is 100% true. And a lot of times that's, one of the many things that's causing so many divorces nowadays and so many, breakups um when you are not completely committed but living with someone and you move in together you don't have any like boundaries and whatnot so it's complete trust as if you were married but there's no responsibility and or commitment between the two and if you and if you don't have responsibility and commitment binding you guys together eventually when you get married after the fact and that's forcefully having commitment and responsibility. Well, then the the dynamics change at home that you've been living together already. And if you've been living together for three years and then all of a sudden the dynamics drastically change basically overnight, that puts a lot of stress on people. And then they realize, well, this wasn't a good idea. I think people that also, discuss marriage immediately in a relationship probably don't last as long on average because when yeah. you like if you immediately put that stress on yourself i just feel like that cannot be healthy like if that you like if, like if you meet some person and you're immediately like yep gonna marry you like i feel like that inherently causes some stress yeah that well, doesn't that doesn't need to exist principally but yeah. also blatantly should not exist. <laughs> exactly. You shouldn't, you shouldn't want to like be with someone because they're supposed to be your, your spouse. Yep. Like if you convince yourself of that, you're, you're lost. You're and also you're, just going to get divorced. Yeah. Sometime really, down the road. Oh yeah, you definitely are. Well, what do you think is the proper amount of time to know you thoroughly know someone and want to spend the rest of your life with someone? Is it like five months? Is it like one year? Is it like 10 years? What is it? I, you know... I feel like it's different for everybody, right? I mean, we have a, a mutual person that we know that just got married, has only known the guy like six months maybe. They've only okay. been together six, five, six months. Yeah. That, 
you know, that to me seems like maybe you Very should quick. Yeah. Because you're you're I mean the seasons haven't even gone full cycle, right? Like That's true. Maybe they're a really terrible summer person. You would never know. Yeah. And there is an actual fact to that. Like in the summertime, people are a little different than in the wintertime. Yep. Like you're doing different things. Life is different. Like for example, if they're a homebody and they don't like to do stuff, wintertime is great for them because yep. they're not doing anything. And it works for you because you can't do anything. Yep. But when summertime rolls around and you want to go hiking and they say no, well, that immediately is going to cause some strain. Like, you're just different per- different people. Yep. So I, I don't like that. But I also am not going to lie and say that I'm some expert to know when to love. Yeah, it's actually like, th- three years, two months, and yeah, 18 like, days. At what point do you, I mean, at what point do you decide that you love someone? Because, I mean, love is a pretty big word. To me, it is, at least. I don't know. Like, I feel what like point there's you... a lot of misconceptions regarding love. I could talk for four chats over just the concept of love alone. Yeah. But I say at what point, love, I would say there... I love talking in threes. We'll give it three um, three key things you need to have before you can commit to loving someone. One is some sort of backbone reliant on trust. You need the ground groundwork for any relationship is trust if you can't trust someone you can't have a relationship with them yeah uh and that goes both ways both people have to trust each other it can't be well one person trusts one and the other one just doesn't trust it yeah that's the that's not trust part. that's the tricky part getting the, the, the... exactly yes both so people. that needs to happen uh another one is a sense of self-responsibility but also responsibility to each other if you are either completely codependent on the other person or you are completely independent without the other person, then you're not at a healthy spot of which the trust can actually work. Yeah, you should want to be with them. You should exactly. not need to be with them. Exactly. So that's yeah. the second tier. You need that. And then the third tier and the most important and technically how I see love as it is because most people say love is a feeling or an emotion or the chemical and the chemical reaction that releases endorphins into your system. Ooh, wonderful serotonin. Um, that, that is happiness. That is euphoria. That is whatever raw emotion you want to say. That's not love. Love ultimately. And the third and final one is a choice. In life, you have to choose to love someone, which is why the common misconception of falling out of love or just falling in love with yeah. someone, yeah. that's not a real thing because to love something, you have to choose to invest your time, your person, and basically your own faults. Like everything you can give, you have to give to that thing or that person mm-hmm. in order to love it. That. You're basically surrendering or sacrificing everything to help and better and become part of something oh, else. Oh, the team, yeah. Yeah. That includes so, insecurities and things that you're not, exactly. maybe not proud of. Yeah. And that's not just with people. That's with, say, pie. Yeah. To say you love pie, like, you can really enjoy pie. You can think it's great. But to say you love pie, that's choosing to sacrifice and give everything you are to pie, which is why I think people use the word love too much. I would agree with that. And although I'm probably, I'm sure I've been guilty of it. (laughs) We all have. 
Yeah. And at the same time, love is not represented correctly as it being a choice. There's been so many times, and I think this also has a negative impact on relationship longevity and divorce rate, where people will say, well, I don't love him anymore. Say you come to like a clinician or a psychiatrist and whatnot, and you sit down in couples therapy. And you're like, well, where do you think went wrong? And someone will say, well, we just don't love each other anymore. We, we lost that spark. I, I hear that a lot, that spark. Yeah. Like you're an ignition and your spark plugs need to be reset. That, that's not how humans work. What? And all too often the psychiatrist is like, well, I guess it's better that you guys are apart then. And they don't, they don't care for the root of the um, issue, which is love is a choice. And they have to say, no, you can't fall out of love with someone. You can choose to stop loving him. Yeah. And if you're saying you lost the spark and you don't want to continue this, if you're basically no longer sacrificing your time and your being to be with this person, that's your choice not to love them anymore. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if people realize that ultimately love is a choice and when you say i love you if you say that to someone that is you basically saying i am choosing to maybe make sacrifices i will share in the benefits i will share in the pain i will share in the absolute neutrality i will give you everything by choice like this is yeah. me doing yep. it and to display to display that I you I care for you and you mean that much to me. That is yeah. the choice of love. Yes. Now, but at what point should you say that to someone? Like week one, month one, year one. Okay. Well, here let me let me let me let me phrase the question this way. You've been in a relationship now for over two years. Yes. At what point did you say that you loved your your better half, other half? I shouldn't say better half in front of you. That'd be kind of mean. <laughs> well, I mean. The truth hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you exactly. Uh, almost certainly because of societal norms nowadays. Nowadays, I'm almost certain that it was said to me first. And I'm also almost certain that I would reciprocate if nothing else other than to be polite. But there's a difference between a polite like and cute I love you than actually meaning it. I would say... A couple months, if that, into the relationship. It really depends on the person. That's true. Because, as we said with the groundwork, as long as you have the foundation of trust and, like, the responsibility and balance, then the rest, the love, is actually a choice. So if you choose to love them, then yeah, that's I when think, you can I, say I, that. I guess maybe that's So I would say a couple, a couple months into it, I'm like, I, I trust her enough. I can... I can take the downfalls and the euphorics and everything along with this relationship. So I feel comfortable enough to choose to love this person. And that's so really usually however long it takes to build that foundation. Yes. If, I mean, if that happens in a month, great for you. If it yes. happens in two, three, four, five, six months, that's, you if know, it happens, happens in two hours, as long as you have the foundation, that's the absolute requirement. That's the minimum. See, I feel like people trick themselves into that though. Like two hours in, like if you've gone on a one date or maybe two dates with this person and you look at difficult. them yes. and you go, I love you. And I'm, I'm not just saying you say it to be cute. I mean, you honestly, genuinely yeah, look them in the eyes and person. you say, I love you. I just feel like 
you don't know. Like, okay, if they're sleeping next to you at night mm-hmm. and you spend all day with them and it's, you know, okay, then you could probably say it with some pretty good confidence because it takes a lot of trust in someone to sleep next to them. Yes. But if you're just, you just go out on a couple of dates on like a, a Wednesday afternoon every week and that's it. I just, it's it, hard to convince me that that's the right statement to use. Well, that's why I gave like an arbitrary couple hours where it is very, very difficult, like borderline impossible to build a foundation of trust and connection and an hour. Yeah. That's, that's almost impossible. Love at first sight is usually either adoration, lust, a combination of the two. Yep. Um, that That gets you in the door. That gets you in the door. Yeah, yes. that's not bad at all. That's no. a wonderful start. Yep. You still need to lay some groundwork of trust and connection and whatnot. And then that's why I said that's the minimum amount of time. Once you trust, once you get that trust and whatnot, then it's up to your individual time of when you choose that you can choose to love them. So she said it first. Cause my follow- Almost certainly. My follow-up question to you was, were you scared the first time you said it that she wouldn't reciprocate that idea? Because that seems like it, that would be a horribly scary thing. If someone doesn't... You see that a lot in sitcoms, I'll bring up, yeah. where it becomes so awkward and whatnot and people stress out about it. But that's because I feel they're focused on the emotional side of emotional feelings towards people, like I said, which isn't love and as I mentioned, my view on love, because it is a choice, different people learn to, or different people choose things at different times. There's no possible way that at the same moment of time and both partners' heads, they're like, okay, now's when I can choose to love this person. That, that can't happen because yeah. we're all different. Um... So usually it's not going to be at the exact same time. Most people choose to wait out of fear for that until usually both people are pretty confident they've already chosen. They're just too nervous because the other yeah. person doesn't. Yep. Even if someone were to tell me, say hypothetically, I was in a new relationship and whatnot, and we've been going out maybe like four or five months, and they say they love me, or I say I love them, and they don't like say they love me, that's not a demerit. That's not a downfall of anything we have going. That's not a downfall. That's yeah. not a lack of trust. That's not a yeah. lack of emotional connection. That's not a lack of attraction. That maybe they're just not ready to choose that because it's a big commitment. Oh, absolutely. To love someone. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And I, I would personally rather them not rush it. I would rather have them in their own time come back to me at some point where they're ready to choose to love me or not basically deceive themselves and yes. not yeah. you actually hate, you hate to be to the guy me. that pressure them into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's because a if it's, valid fear. Because if it's not their choice, if they feel obligated into it, that's not gonna last. Then you're gonna come you're gonna be the two years down the road, the couple in therapy that's like, Well, have we fallen out of love? Well, did you ever take the time to choose to love them in the first place, or do you feel like you were pressured into that? Yeah. You're pressured into that. Which I think is the other half of this perspective or even ongoing relationship. To pressure someone into it, that seems like a fairly 
rude thing to do. Very much so. And I, I would hope that you would try not to do that. If, if you pressure someone to not choose or to choose to love you not in their own time, that's almost an admission of you not fully accepting or choosing to love them. Yeah. Because if you're, you're conditioning your love to them, if you're saying, I'm going to choose to love you on the condition that you love me back, that's not truly choosing to love them because, as we mentioned earlier, choosing to love someone is a choice where you are surrendering everything yeah. to that person. And if you're not willing to do that, you don't really love them. Yeah. So it's really just showing where they are. Exactly. Not, not necessarily where they're going either. Yeah. If you say, I love you, and they're like, and they, they, they don't blatantly reciprocate that to you. I don't, it's probably not the end of the world, especially if they're no. still choosing to be with you. Exactly. Very, very clear. I think people get it in their heads, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this as well, where you say something like that, and if they don't immediately say it back, you're, the first thought in your head is like, well, it's over. <laughs> right? Like, I'm sure every person on the planet Earth has done that by mistake in life. Yep. But, I, but there, there's, if they're still choosing to be with you, and, oh, yeah. they're, and they're just not as comfortable with it in that moment, I don't... Freaking stop worrying about like it. Like I said, the, the biggest stressed. I think in summary of the whole ideal of love, I feel culturally nowadays and modern age, people don't understand what love actually is. They feel it's the emotion. And when you um, basically interchange love with emotional well-being or happiness and mm -hmm. something... Those are not the same thing. They are not synonyms. So it's going to cause tension and problems and anxiety and mix-ups like, oh, well, it's over. She doesn't love me back. Rather than understanding love is completely separate from happiness and yeah, pain and whatnot. It is. Th most marriages, and in this closing statement, most marriages, you're going to go through times where you genuinely like are infuriated with the other person. You do not like them at times. You are embarrassed of them at times. You loathe them at times. And at times, you are quite happy with them. And all times of those, at no point of that, is love involved. If you're choosing to love them, you love them throughout that. Mm -hmm. You can love someone and be infuriated with them. You can love someone and be happy. You can not love someone and be infuriated with them. Yes. You can not love someone and be happy with them. Yep. It, it all it all comes down to the choice. Where if you choose to love someone, it is you surrendering to that person or that thing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Folks, and with that, we wrap up our extended episode 21 of A Gentleman's Chat. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and we will see you next week.